Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm here to help you fully know your value, reclaim your power, and boldly create the life you love instead of living from someone else's script. So if you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. Don't water down your wild. Step out of the race you never wanted to be in and forge your own path. Let's go. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 28. This is Moose, and I figured I may need to step in here and open this thing up because she tried three times to get episode 28 out and kind of messed it up a little bit. So I took the power into my own hands and figured we'll get this thing rolling. So take it away. Yep. Sometimes talking is hard, even for me. Okay. Welcome to the show. Like he said, yes, I am so excited to have my co-host back with me. The theme for the month has been things that guide you. And in the first week, I talked about non-negotiables, which, yes, touched on non-negotiables. But despite the title, it was probably wasn't as much about staunch, immovable never-evers as it was about having principles and policies that can guide you and help your life. And in the second week, I talked about the three things I wish I would have really understood much sooner in life. So if you haven't listened to either of those yet, you might want to go back and give them a listen because there's some good stuff in there. So this week, my co-host, Big Sexy, and I, we want to talk about the importance of your speech. But before we get started, you should know if it sounds different, it's because we are recording this in a hotel room. And so I don't know what the sound is going to be like with the outside noise from the room or the fan or air conditioning and stuff. So apologies for that if it gets hard to hear. Okay, let's dive in. The first area we want to talk about today, there are only two, but the first is the importance of what you say to yourself. You deserve to feel loved and you deserve to be happy. And if you if you don't agree with those two tenets, well, you should probably stop listening to this episode right now and dig into why you feel that way. And if you need help sorting any of that out and trying to figure out what it is that's causing you to think this way, I've got contact information for an amazing life coach that I can send to you. <laughs> wow, you're subtle. <laughs> because those things, the feeling loved and the being happy, they start with you. I had never thought about this before, but have you ever thought about what percentage of your happiness is that you're responsible for, babe? I'd never really thought about it in those terms, but you know, when we were preparing for this and you'd ask me that question, I think, I mean, you know, maybe I'm responsible for about 20% of my own happiness. But then you realized. But then I realized, nope, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never thought about it either. And somehow the idea popped in my head and I was like, no. I'm 100% responsible for my happiness. And I can give that power to someone else, but I'm still responsible for it. Here, here's what that might look like. And I had a, a thought on, on an analogy for this to kind of bring it up. So go out and lease your, not buy it, but lease yourself. Go out and lease it. A $100,000 Ferrari. Nice cars. I've always wanted one. Now, you've leased this car. Pick somebody in your life and give the car to them. Not no. the payment, not the gas, not the insurance or any of the maintenance costs. Those are still your responsibility to pay for. But give that car to somebody else. 
Let them enjoy it. That's a shit idea. It's going to make <laughs> them happy, and they're going to appreciate you for yes. a little while. Yes. And they're going to do things to make you feel loved and happy, but that's going to fade away with time. You're still going to have 100% of the responsibility for taking care of that car and none of the happiness of being able to enjoy it. That is an excellent, excellent hammering home of the point. I thought so. That's very good. Yeah. You should be a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> you can take your power back if you give it away. And you can take it back when someone has taken it from you against your will. Because even if somebody hurt you, whatever, it is still up to you to ask yourself, what do I need to do to move forward from here and be happy? Yes. Because you're the one with the most power to change your life. Most people are either ignorant of that power or they're afraid to try to create change because the unknown is scarier to them than the dissatisfaction that they currently feel. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people listening will remember the slogan that went around. It was in politics and, you know, they adopted it in other areas of, of life. But it's be the change you want to see in the world. I think NBC had something yeah, in the, between their shows that they would pop up. Be the change that you want to see yeah, in the world. Yeah, didn't that come from uh, like... It was a presidential campaign. No, but like originally I thought... I'm trying to, I feel like it was like a Dalai Lama saying oh, yeah, or yeah. something like that originally. A Sherpa. Yeah. That has been, it's been adapted over time. Yeah. I think you're yeah. right. Yes. I do remember that. Yeah. And but see, we can take that and instead of, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, be the change or create the change that you want to see in you. Yeah, for sure. It's not anybody else's responsibility to do that for you. Because if you let them change you, you're not you anymore. Right. You're who they want you to be. Yeah. I really, um, I like that new Andy Grammer song. I think it's new. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just heard it for the first time recently. It's called Damn It Feels Good to Be Me. Yes. But he says you're only you when you're being yourself. Yes. Like other, Because otherwise, it's performative. You're someone else. And mm -hmm. that's not usually... Good. It doesn't feel good on the inside because you know it's performative. You know it's not authentic. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. I really think that taking inventory of the way we talk. talk wow. Talk? talk? Well, There's my inner New Yorker. New Yorker came out. <laughs> I think it's important to take inventory of the way we talk to ourselves. I think it's absolutely necessary for a few different reasons. One, I think it has to do with our mental well-being because it's proof to us that we're taking care of ourselves. It's how we show ourselves that we matter when we pay attention to the way we talk to ourselves. I also think that it can reveal beliefs and thought patterns that we're not consciously aware of. And then when you become aware of something, that's the first step to creating change, right? And I think the third way that we can use it to create a powerful shift inside our minds, which ultimately is manifested on the outside in our lives that you can see when you look around and what you have and what you don't have and the kind of focus that you have all stems from what's going on inside. And I think that if you pay attention to the way you talk to yourself, I think that creates, a, has the power to create a lot of change in every area, but particularly relationships, even though it starts with the relationship you have with yourself. Yes. I think that your words can push things 
for good or for bad. Yeah, I am, or at least I, I have been through most of my life, a very negative Neville. Negative Neville. Well, yeah, I'm not Nelly. Well, no, no, you're a boy. Okay. Right. I like so, it. Keep going, yeah. Neville Longbottom. And <laughs> very negative in how I, I talk to myself. Yeah. I always, either in my head or out loud, I'm always putting myself down. And, you know. Well, it's the home you were raised in. It was. I, you know, grew up in a home where I was always, or at least some of my siblings didn't really like me. They wanted to be an only child. So I was always talked to down or put down or made to feel less of myself for that. And the aforementioned life coach that I've got this contact information for is always pointing out to me. You're that, funny. <laughs> that what I say has power to shape who I am and what I believe about myself. Yeah, that's true, though. And bottom line is I wouldn't hang around people that talk to me the way I Talk to me. I remember the first time I said that to you and you were like, oh. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what you said. Yeah. And, you know, so if I won't allow somebody else to be an ass to me and talk to me that way, why am I allowing me to be an ass right. to me? And I'm not talking about toxic positivity, that fake stuff. I, I don't mean it like that. I'm talking about actively looking for the positive things in a situation that there are positive truths in the middle of negative truths as well. And I think when you see something like not something subjective, something that is very black or white one way or the other, if you see that it's clearly true and it's a bad thing, I think it's very important to reframe your mindset and say, Okay, but what else is true? Not just this one way, because situations are almost never only positive yeah. or only negative. It's it's not a negative thing or a bad thing to acknowledge areas in your life that you may feel like you're lacking, but it gets to be a negative when you insult yourself, when yeah. you take when you tear yourself down because. You know, that you view this as, well, this is just a character flaw. This is something I can, this is just, I'm such an idiot. I can't yeah. believe that I do this kind of crap. Yeah. And I also think that it's, it like science has shown before over and over, it is easier for us to focus on something negative and to see the negative. We're drawn to that. We have to work a little harder to look at the positive things. And especially when it comes to ourselves, because we are extremely judgy of ourselves. Like we're harder on us than we are other people. We would never say the things to other people we say to ourselves. Like you said, hey, get off my toes, lady. We don't have any mercy or grace for ourselves. And, and when we do, it's not enough. And I think that we, our tendency to immediately see the bad or the wrong is what trips us up so much. Because when we do see the good or the right thing that we did, that that win, whatever that looks like, we immediately acknowledge, well, it's it's just not enough compared to all of this other stuff over here. Like that's a drop in the ocean of the things that we feel guilty over, the things we beat ourselves up for. So I think those are the things that we get wrong, like our focus is wrong. Yeah, again, 
Get off my toes, woman. <laughs> no, ser seriously, though, what you just said has so much power that if people would just latch on to that little nugget of wisdom and apply that, that could change the trajectory of their lives. Well, you know, you think about, think about this. When our kids were growing up, if they would have ever said something out loud about themselves that you say about yourself to yourself, how would you feel? Oh, it would make me mad. And I would point out to them, that, no. I would be, I would be devastated mm -hmm. that they thought they were that terrible at something or because of something. Yeah. I would, I would be, no, 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 I've got to set you straight. You're amazing. You're incredible. You did this thing not great. Maybe you made a bad choice. Maybe you did something wrong. But that is, you are so much more than just that one thing. Yes. But we need to put that on ourselves. Yeah, it's easier to point it out in other people and help them to see what they're doing um, is hurting them and their growth. But when you turn that mirror back around and look at yourself... That's when it gets gets hard because then that's the whole, you have to be positive about you and help you to grow. Well, and don't you think that there's a difference? Like it, it's that whole thing of toxic positivity again. And, and this is further down in my notes as well. You can acknowledge that something, uh, that you made a mistake or something's not great or it's a weak area or mm -hmm. whatever without thinking you're totally worthless. But we say things to ourselves like, you're such an idiot, you're so dumb, and we shame ourselves. And I, I think we do it hoping to motivate ourselves out of it, out of whatever the thing is that we don't like. But that's not working because if shaming yourself was going to work, it would have worked already, right? Yeah. But it's been years of shaming yourself and you're not motivating yourself. You're actually just starting to believe the junk you're saying. Mm -hmm. And that's not helping you grow. That's leaving you in the crap, in the yuck, and not letting you get out of it. You know, maybe you did make a poor choice about something. But again, that's not all there is to you. And that's not the only thing you're capable of doing. Yeah. And so, you know, you used to say things to our kids about like yourself, you would, you would tell me, I feel like such a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, and I did it for years. That was me. I'm like, I feel like such a hypocrite because I expect my kids to do things and say things and speak about themselves, but I wasn't doing the same things for me. Right. And you know, like, like that's very hypocritical. You, you have a higher standard for them to behave and talk about themselves that you don't even hold for yourself. Yeah. What is this in your notes here about being housebroken now? <laughs> what is that? Uh, well, it's it's the whole thing of this. Sorry, is... I just looked over and saw his notes. I'm like, <laughs> what is this housebroken? Because this was me for so many years. But it's not me. I don't do that as often as I used to. Oh, is it the so old dog? So in the dog? fact that, yeah. You, I got it. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. You're funny. And it's to the point now that I'm I'm even housebroken. You're funny. So yeah. You and your dad jokes crack me <laughs> up. So how about all the times we have a little bit of like imposter syndrome with our jobs when we say things like, like if we mess up at work. Mm. You and I have talked about this. When yeah. you've been in new jobs, I've talked about this with mine. 
when you say things to your, about yourself to yourself, like, God, you're such an idiot. You don't deserve to yeah. work here or you don't deserve yeah. whatever. I don't have anything new to say. It's already all out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've I, done that a little bit. I, yes, I actually really wrestled Who's with... Who's going to listen to me? I'm not... Yeah. Yes, I, because I remember thinking if I... And I think I've said this even on the show before. You have. I hesitated to start the show because I was like... I got like five good things to say. When I say those five things or those seven things, or those 12 things, what am I going to do? Just say those same 12 things over and over again? Like, then what? Mm-hmm. But of course, we all do this in something. I remember new jobs that I started where I had to learn company software mm-hmm. or protocols or something. And I would mess it up and be like, oh my gosh, I, sh- I don't belong here. Yes. You know, I definitely have wrestled with that. You've wrestled with yeah, that. Yeah, make a mistake at work and it, it winds up, you know, winds up. That's really good. Winds up being, you know, a huge mistake. And it's yeah. like, I don't deserve this job. Yeah. I'm such an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I shouldn't be here. I like, should not be here. I should not be leading people because I made these mistakes. And I, you know, I have to be better than that. I have to be the example. So you don't yeah. allow yourself to grow. When I think it. I think it's that feeling that I'm out of my league. Yes. And then, but that's false. Listen to me. You are not out of your league. You are absolutely in your league. And where you are not yet equipped, you will learn. That's how you look at that. Oh, I messed that up, but I still belong here. I still, there's a place for me at this table and I'm still learning and I'm still growing. You were absolutely not out of your league. And we do it with relationships too, because this just slapped me in the face. Because I have said often that, man, I really married up. But I didn't. Right. I married who I was supposed to be with. Right. I married my partner. I married my helper. I married my cheerleader. I married the person that makes me better. I didn't marry up. I married exactly where I was supposed to. Right. Man. Are you happy now? <laughs> yeah, my cheek hurts. I got slapped so hard. <laughs> well, you slapped yourself. I did, but yeah. it was good. So I want to ask you a question. And I want you to really think about this. Let it get inside and just, you might need to simmer on it a little bit, but when was the last time you gave yourself a second chance? And I'm not asking this to Moose. I'm asking this to you listening. Like when you messed up something at work, when you overreacted to something with your partner or one of your kids and you apologize, but it's out there and whatever you said or did can't be taken back. It's, it's done, but you've apologized. And even though you have, you still keep coming down really hard on yourself for bringing, and you bring it up in your own mind over and over again. You don't let yourself get past it and you don't really forgive yourself. And maybe it's you, you're holding on to the guilt because you're afraid you'll mess up and do that same thing again. But why don't you try actually forgiving yourself and tell yourself it's okay. Maybe it's not okay that you did it, it doesn't mean that it wasn't okay, that it wasn't bad to do or say, or that you couldn't have handled it better, but it's okay in that it's going to be okay. You're learning and you're growing and that's going to have to be enough. So can you say to yourself, 
I forgive you. You'll get it right next time. But in the meantime, I love and appreciate your commitment to grow in this area now. Can you say that to yourself and give yourself a second chance, a do-over? Really forgive yourself and move on. Because if you can't, that's always going to be the thing you trip over. You're never going to grow past that. We have so much grace for other people. We deserve very little for ourselves. And we deserve what we give to other people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the second area that I want us to talk about today and explore a little bit is the way you talk about yourself to other people. What you say about you. Because, so I think about Chandler Bing on Mm -hmm. Friends. He had, he's a classic example of self-deprecating humor. And you employ this, I employ this, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people we know employ this. And it's funny because we're creative sometimes when we say, when we point out something about ourselves that's ridiculous mm-hmm. or whatever, incredible something. Um, and we're creative with the ways that we do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I do it um, a lot at times. It depends on the situation too, because most of the time when I, when I use that, you know, the self-deprecating humor, what I'm trying to do is relieve tension in a room yeah, and try to draw the attention, you know, to something funny. I said, whether it's about myself, usually it is away from the current stress and tension in the room mm-hmm. to kind of break the mood mm-hmm. and get things moving in a more positive manner and so, direction. Well, I'm clumsy. And so if I trip or fall or something, self-deprecating humor is my way of making fun of me and laughing at myself because then it takes away the sting of someone else doing that. Yes. And I think there are a lot of other reasons that we can do it, but I think too, sometimes we do it because we think it'll make someone, it'll make us more likable. If someone laughs at us, yes. they'll, well, that will be more likable to them. What comes to mind in this is, you know, we love Ted Lasso. Yeah. It's a great show. And in the first season, when they're doing the auction and all this stuff, and Rebecca didn't feel comfortable getting up on stage, she thought she was going to mess it up. And Ted's advice to her was, make fun of yourself. First thing you do, make fun of yourself. Yeah. So that way, nobody else will do that. Right. And yep. it breaks the tension and it breaks the ice and it gets you more comfortable up there. And it it worked out. Yeah. And I think it's good to laugh at ourselves. I think it is good for us to recognize that we miss obvious things, things that are really blatant. Oh, Mm -hmm. big sign right here in front of me telling me what to do that I totally missed. And I asked somebody, I've done that, I don't even know how many times. Mm -hmm. Hey, where is the blah, blah? And there's the sign right there next to it. Oh, I didn't see the big Mm -hmm. glaring, flashing neon sign or whatever. I think that's okay. But I think that it becomes a problem because... Just like with everything else, we take it too far. Yes. And then that gives license to other people Yes, to take over and then they go way too far and it becomes hurtful. Yeah. And it just reinforces sometimes what we think about ourselves in our mind instead of what you maybe intended to be a mood breaker or a tension breaker. And now it's, well, this is how everybody sees me. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to talk a minute to the people who are like me, the ones who are told that they're too much or they're too loud or they're too whatever, 
Because what happens is, and I was just talking about this with a client a few weeks ago and about how when we say things like, I'm not trying, like, it happened to me at work when I was back in the corporate world. I was speaking up for what I really believed we need to be needed to do with a customer. And the person I was talking to didn't see it the same way. But he also wasn't listening to me. And I realized looking back, you know, you can see things clearer through the rearview mirror sometimes. Really, it wasn't that he didn't think I was right. It wasn't that it wasn't even necessarily that he didn't like me, but it was that the way I thought we needed to approach it was going to take effort. And he wanted to take the easy way out. He didn't want to deal with it. And I was my solution, proposed solution, was to was going to take more time, was going to take more effort. It was going to require him to engage. And he didn't want to do any of those things. And I ended up feeling like, gosh, I'm, I'm just such a bitch. Why am I so cantankerous? Why am I being so difficult? Why am I so contrary? And the truth was, I wasn't being any of those things. Mm -hmm. The truth is that it's just that what I was proposing was getting on his nerves. It wasn't what he wanted to do. It made it difficult for him. So I was putting blame on me when there wasn't blame to be put on me. And it's because I was thinking to myself, yep, there I go again. Just it's too much. It's too much this, too much that. And that is not the way to look at it all the time. And of course, if you say something like, yeah, I'm just a bitch, it gives it can give someone else the license for them to be like, yeah, you are. Mm -hmm. And then constantly put you in this kind of box, first of all, because it may be because it's easier for them to see you that way instead of digging into the complexity of what's really going on and peeling back the layers. But maybe if they don't care for you very much, it is easy for them to like right. put you in that kind of box and be like, well, yeah, she's just, she's just a bitch. We're going to keep her over there. And, and sometimes and not even about a personality, but if a cert, a person identifies a certain, if, if they feel a certain way, like they label themselves as being a nerd, for example, because they're called that at school and they try to embrace it. Or even if they're like, this is where I'm comfortable, so I'm going to call myself mm -hmm. a nerd. If there ever comes a time when we, when they try to move into a different area, sometimes if you've labeled yourself that way to other people, they don't want you to stay to grow from that. They don't want you to stray yes. from that label. And then they want to keep you there. And so you have to, and I'm, it sounds like I'm thinking or trying to say that you should never let anyone say something negative about you. There is such a thing as constructive criticism, but I am talking about when we say something about ourselves negatively that other people take as a license and they start running with. Yes. Or when you label yourself a certain kind of way and people don't want to ever let you grow from that. Yeah. I think those two things lead to crossing into unhealthy area for our mental wellness. Yeah, because I've worked, I've worked with people before that will describe themselves as, well, I'm just an ass. I... I and then they proceed. I to butt heads with everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm opinionated. I do all of this stuff, you know, and, and they're very aggressive sometimes in how they approach people. 
But as they get older, they may not still hold to a lot of those same beliefs, but because they have presented themselves this way and talked about themselves that way for so long that the other people that know them or have known them for years won't allow them to grow out of that state. Yeah, exactly. I have noticed there's a new trend um, with people saying things like, as a recovering people pleaser, as a recovering Mm -hmm. dot, 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 whatever. Um, And I like that reframe because it acknowledges. I used to be that way. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. I'm growing and my focus is growth mindset, not fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. So let's wrap this up. I want you to talk about, there was a thing you used to hammer, tried so hard to drill into our kids' heads about their words. Yes. Mention that, please. Because of the way that I grew up with the animosity between siblings and things like that. And one thing that I always wanted our boys to understand is words matter. Words have power. Once you put those out there, you can't pull them back. The damage is done. And if you grow up in a household where things are said out of anger, out of hurt, out of frustration, just to get you away from them, you can't pull that hurt back. Yeah. Because, like I said, they have power. Once you speak those words into existence, you can't pull them back. It's like the toothpaste you squeeze out of the tube. You can't put it back in. Right. I've tried. Yep. But it's it's interesting to me that all those years – you were so focused on explaining to the boys and teaching them how much words matter and how much power they have that you missed the power in speaking to yourself. Yeah, I I did. Um, And I had to realize through, through some intense coaching throughout my life (laughs) that your mouth doesn't have a rewind button. Yeah. Your brain doesn't have a rewind button. Once you put those thoughts in your own head about you, it's hard to refocus and not let that sink in and that become who you really believe you are yeah. when it's not true. Yeah. Love so, it. Yeah. Okay. That's all I've got for you today. Before I go, if you loved this episode and found it valuable, will you please share it on social media and tag me? Uh, if you're on Instagram, I am too. It's I'm Eva Miller, or you can tag me on Facebook. You can always find Big Sexy if you want to connect with him on Instagram at Brian Moose Miller, right? Brian Moose Miller yep. on Instagram. On um, the gram. On the gram, yeah, the gram. So I'm all hip and stuff. <laughs> I think saying you're hip and stuff <laughs> negates, negates you being yeah. hip and stuff, babe. Yeah. All right. It's so self-deprecating humor coming in there. There you go, yeah. So we have a recent – we – I really am having trouble talking today. We have recently arrived in Seattle. We are here to welcome our new Grand Jedi. Her lightsaber is going to be pink. It is a girl, but I'm going to take some time off from this to enjoy the family. So I won't be back until April, but I'll have more for you then. Talk to you soon. Okay, Changemaker, that's it for me this time. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're interested in working with me, you can book a Blue Skies Discovery call. It's totally free. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for being here. Talk to you next Monday.